my name is Matt, and I am one of the pastors here. And um, it's, um, yes, it's, it's Whiteboard Sunday, if I'm wondering. It's, uh, um, <clears throat> I, I did want to confess something, though. Um, Haley, my daughter, turned around to me, um, you know, 26 or whatever, and said, wait a minute, Joel just said that it's not in the Bible that you should have your eyes closed when you pray. And pretty much during her whole growing up experience, I may have fudged that a little. And so she turned around like, what gives? You're a pastor, you know? So, so I'd like to publicly confess, it is true. You don't have to pray with your eyes closed, Haley. I apologize. Um, <laughs> you know, parenting. Um, one of the cool things about uh, kind of kicking off the stories, um, uh, the stories project this week is, um, it happens to be that as Sarah was sharing, she ends up talking about community. And as we find ourselves in our Acts series, we find ourselves in maybe the passage on community in the book. Now, there's lots of different summary statements in the book, but this is one of those times where um, God gets really specific, really clear through the author Luke. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the text and then I'm going to pray. This is... Uh, I'm going to guess this is a passage that you've all heard at least one or 19 sermons on. And uh, as Jay was praying this morning, that, uh, that, that God would surprise you with the depth of the fact that he's never done through his word, that he always has more for you, that he has more for you because who you are right now and what's going on in your life right now is not the same as what was going on the last time you heard this passage. So, um, so direct your attention to the screen and let hear the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, this is Whiteboard Sunday. It's been um, probably about three years or so since we've done this. Uh, if you weren't here three years ago when we did this, uh, it was a big whiteboard. I had to scrounge around. They told me there was a big whiteboard. It's not here anymore. So this is what we got. And um, they didn't have whiteboards in Acts. I feel like we're already ahead. You know, like um, if, uh, if you don't know anything about me, I love whiteboards. They're all over in our offices. They would be more if it was up to me. But um, what I want to do this morning, because partly because this is such a famous passage, it's such a familiar passage, I want to invite you to not um, to not like take a step back and go like, right, 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 gotcha. We're supposed to be those people, and and to actually participate in the process of learning, of growing, of being changed by this word. So, oh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, um, I'm going to have a couple people grab the Bibles and um, just raise your hand because you're going to need the, the text in front of you. So if you use your phones for that, that's totally fine. People behind you can see if you're playing Candy Crush, so it's all good. Um, <laughs> They're judging you. I'm not. I don't know. Um, so, uh, but Acts chapter 2, go ahead and open that up. And so this is what we're going to do. Uh, I do want to say this, uh, this passage, I don't, I'm going to ask you in a little bit how you feel about the passage, um, like how, how it strikes you. But, but at first I just want to say like, this is one of those, um, this is one of those encapsulations, these summary statements about something that seems utopian. It, it seems like 
good grief, for real? And um, I, I do want to say that this is a real account, a real tangible reality for, for a community, an iconic moment in a sense uh, for the, the early church. Um, but I want to say that it is placed in the midst of what is not a, a utopian uh, moment, and a utopian community. Um, Luke does a great job of, of um, not hiding the imperfections of the early church. In just a couple chapters, we're going to have Ananias who's like lying to the Holy Spirit but just stick around. It's not a good idea, in case you're wondering. Should I do that? I just think, just come back. You'll find out. Not a good idea. Uh, lying to the Holy Spirit. Then you got like a, you got uh, Simon, the, uh, the magician, who's like trying to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he gets rebuked like some people never got rebuked before, um, which by Peter, which is ironic because the dude got rebuked a good bit. Um, but, um, and then you have things like, um, you know, Paul and Barnabas, who, who have such a sharp disagreement between the two of them, these two godly men who've been on missionary journeys together, have seen the wonders of God accomplished, and they have such a serious disagreement that they end up parting ways. Like, they, they actually can't do it together anymore. And so, like, this is not a perfect text. And, and if, you, if you read the epistles at all from Paul, like, goodness me, the new churches were not perfect places. And if you're new and you think this is a perfect church, it is. So you're well... <laughs> No, wait, no, it's not. So um, you can continue your search or you can stick around with us broken people. Um, so this is, uh, it's not a utopian place, but it is, it's, it is remarkable. And, and I believe that this particular segment has been given to us for one very particular purpose. And that is to elicit longing. This passage is supposed to make us go like, wait a minute, between what I experience in my life, my community, my church history, and this passage, there, there's a chasm. And, and some days it feels like the chasm is short and, you know, because there's some good things. And then other times it feels like it's a long ways apart. And so the purpose of this text is, of course, to instruct. The scripture is always given to us to instruct. But the more I've thought about this passage, the more I've been in it, the more I've thought, what it's calling us to is to long for this and to aspire into it, to see what, what does it look like to become more of what this is describing here because this is what new life in the church looks like. So to that end, let's get to work. I want to ask you what, first of all, I want you to look at the passage. So heads down. Um, take a minute. I want you to, I want to ask you, what are the, what do you see as the practices of the church? Okay. What do you see are the actual practices? We're going to talk about the, the effects or the results of the church, but what are the commitments of this early church? What, what are its practices that you see in the text? You have to raise your hand. Just like a normal class. Mateo. Providing for each other. So we'll call that, um, we're going to call that something. Um, we're going to call that, uh, we're going to call that loving one another. Okay. We're going to do that. And one of the ways is provision. What else do you see? The breaking of bread. Okay. Breaking of bread. It's actually, as you see in the text, it says the breaking of bread, right? A lot of commentators talk about different things about what that means. 
it means both and. It means both the breaking of bread in homes, the eating of meals together, but it also means the breaking of bread, the breaking of bread, the one that the Lord instituted that, that, that came to the end of, of most meals. And so it actually was a part primarily of their worship. So I'm going to actually take that, well done, Michael, and put this under worship together. So we're going to call this communion. What other worship stuff do you see in there that could get a little, let's go with, what other worship stuff? For now, let's stick with worship together. Greg? That's the application. Hold on, hold on one second. So worship together daily. Okay, so we're going to do with, we're going to go with daily. Um, do you notice that the daily applies to more than just worship? Day by day, they were in the temple, and where else? They were in homes, so technically, we're up here daily also. What are they on the worship front? Where else are they? How else? What other worship aspects? What other? You can just use the words in the passage, yes. Prayer. Is it prayer? What does it say? The prayers. What does that mean? Early in chapter one, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and to prayer. So there's a devotion to prayer in this, but, um, but the prayers is actually, it has a, has a definite article. Actually, all of them have definite articles in the Greek. It's the prayers. What this is pointing to is that this early church, well, they, they prayed particularly like formed prayers. It's ironic. Thank you, Joel. Um, what we just read in the colic is a formed prayer. It's something that has been written for us to pray along with, to, to help us along the way. I, I don't know about you in your, in your own personal prayer life, or if you pray with your spouse or with friends. Um, how hard is it to pray for 20 minutes by yourself? I mean, I know y'all are spiritual giants and all, but how hard is it? Hard, Matt. That's what you, yes, it is hard. 20 minutes, let alone 30 minutes or an hour. I, I think... Many of us find ourselves thinking that we should be articulate and, and heart engaged in moments and, and, and times of prayer daily when we just don't have it. We don't have the resources for it. And, and ironically, from the get-go, they understood that. What did the disciples ask Jesus? Lord, teach us to pray. And what did he do? He gave them a prayer. And what did they do? They recorded the prayer. And I, I imagine that that was one of the prayers. The Lord's Prayer was just one of those prayers that was just regularly and consistently one of the things that they prayed because they knew it was consistent with the scriptures. And so, loved ones, you need help praying. I just got a little, um, a, like a preview from, uh, from the guy who's doing our, our research on the, on the survey. 68% uh, of you, this is the only data you're going to get, 60 for now, 68% of you, 68.8 actually, said that um, your longing for desire in the coming year is to grow in devotion to prayer or scripture, one of the two. It's the number one thing. That tells me is that, and, and, and more than half said, and I need help. Well, what do you know? Here's help. Book of Common Prayer is a, is a, is a great tool. Joel mentioned it this morning to, to actually walk through daily prayers. Uh, 31 Days of Praise is, is a book that has prayers in it. There's so many devotionals that can help guide you in how to pray. There's even books that will help teach you how to pray the scriptures. If you don't know how to pray the scripture, how to read a passage and then kind of pray it back to God, like there's books that will help you in that. Like 
Let us be people who worship together by, by, our, by our prayers, by how we pray together. Uh, when we do the, uh, the Advent calendar and we, you know, we write out the prayers, if you're like the last reader, if you guys have been part of that, do that with your family, you're the last reader, you read the prayer. Any of you feel weird that moment? I mean, your eyes are open, so already you feel weird, right? But, but I love those uh, because, the, because I get to like agree with what's being said instead of going like, what do I need to come up with to sound really spiritual? I'm a pastor, I have to do that. You know, it comes with, the, but like there's a sense of like, oh man, like this is true and yes and amen and mm-hmm, mm-hmm and mm-hmm. That's what the prayers are for. So prayer was part of worship together. Of course, it was part of the gatherings large and, and small. What else do we have here? Um, all right, what else? What other, what other practices do we see? John, back to you. Teaching, he said. So there were, they were teaching, the apostles were teaching, and so they were learning the truth. One of the things that was marking to this early church was the preaching, faithful and consistent preaching and teaching by the apostles. And what should mark and, and what must mark the new life of the Christian and, and the community of believers is a, a longing and a desire to see God in his word, to, to believe that you will see him, that you will see the Christ in his word, that you will, you will see the character and the beauty and the majesty of, of God in his word. And, but that's, that's the evidence of one of the manifestations of the new life and the, and the manifestations of the church gathered. It's one of the reasons why we have scripture on the screen all the time. It's one of the reasons why we read scripture multiple times. It's because we want to be saturated in the beauty and the power of the word. Even as we were praying this morning, I had to be reminded that those few words I read out of Acts 2 are more powerful than all of the other ones that are coming out of my mouth from then on. Like they have in them more power because we know that the Holy Spirit takes them and he like drills them into you. It's what he does. It's actually one of his jobs is to take what is true and to put it deeply into your soul, to, to cut between the things where you go like, I don't know, Matt. Hey, you, you know, you're, you're not even wearing plaid today. We're not sure about you anymore. You know, so, so it, it, you can get around me, but you can't get around the spirit, which is such good news. Like, it's such good news. That he's wanting to take the word of God, the word of truth and impart it into you. One of the things that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks, and particularly next week, is you see that um, in verse uh, 43, that uh, all came on everybody because there was miracles and signs done by the apostles. And one of the things that we're going to see is that one of the reasons why miracles and signs were done by the apostles is because it confirmed what they were teaching. Same, same is true with, with Moses, and same is true with Jesus, same was true with Elijah, that the miracles, suddenly this constellation of miracles taking place in a very particular kind of time are proving the depth and the magnitude of what is being taught. That's one of the purpose for the miracles. All right, what else we got? What other practice practices? Well done, Will. Praising God. By the way, I have a lot of respect for teachers. It's really hard to do this. 
in a conference room, you know, it's like not a big deal, but like y'all are watching. I, I misspell stuff. I grew up in France. Um, so yeah, you're praising God. I, I, an upward declaration of the magnitude and the beauty and the power of who God is. Worship. Yep. Glad and generous hearts. I'm going to put this over here. Glad and generous. The first one over here that I, that I managed was, was joy. There's a sense of an effect that's taking place, and that is that there's joy in this community. There's a gladness of heart. Not just a gladness like we're happy, but like at the heart level, a gladness, a, a joy that's being affected by the practices, the things that are taking place here. Um, Matt referenced this a little bit a minute ago, but um, I put, this is kind of what I put down here. I have, they share. And they share in two fundamental directions. They share their possessions, which was so revolutionary. We'll talk about more about that in chapter, end of chapter four, beginning of chapter five, when people are selling their lands, and we'll get back to that. Um, but they're also sharing their witness. They're sharing their faith. And we see that because day by day, they were added to their number. The Lord added to their number day by day. And <clears throat> he added because the apostles are preaching, no doubt about it. He adds because people, they're watching, people are watching the believers love one another and care for one another and sell their possessions and they're scratching their head and they're like, I'm sorry, but y'all are weird. What's going on? Why? And they get to bear witness. And so there, there's a sense of I'm giving my things away and, and selling my things to care for the community and I'm, and I'm giving my faith away and, and the witness that God is bearing in my heart and in our midst. One of the cool things that emerged last week out of, um, out of the sermon um, and out of the worship time was, um, was Miriam Thomas. Oh, Miriam's here this morning. Uh, her sharing on the city, it, it was all I kept thinking about this week is like, it was praise. It was this declaration. It was bearing witness. It was kind of a combination. It was bearing witness to, guys, like, God has done great things for me. And it was, I mean, I kept thinking, like, she's praising God. Like, you don't understand where, where I've come from. I, I, I once was this, and now I'm this. I, I once was dead, and now I'm alive. Like, it was awesome. It was beautiful because it was bearing witness, and it was praising God. It's one of the things that manifest themselves in the new life of the believers in community. All right, so these are some of the practices. Y'all did good. You came up with all the same things I did. Well done. Um, what are the effects? What are the, um, what are the results? The effects of the spirit on this community. What, what are they? What do, you, what do you see? There's gladness. We said there's gladness and, 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 and generous hearts. So, Perry. Generosity. I'm going to go over here and say that generosity is actually going to be one of the practices. The, the glad and generous hearts are actually the, the internal dynamics. So we, I'll, I'll give you the generosity here. Whoops. There's not enough letters there. You already, John, I can't get, I got new people. I got only new people. Yes, ma'am. Millie. Ah, yes. One of the results is favor. What's happening there? As I said a minute ago, people are seeing and witnessing this and they're saying this is different than any other religion we've seen. 
this isn't even like Judaism. Y'all don't make sense because you're, you're cross-pollinating between, between Greeks and, and then foreigners. There's a bunch of people from out of town here, and they're like, they're not real serious Jews. I mean, they're, you know, they're like, they're, they're from Arabia and, and Mesopotamia. I mean, like, clearly they're not like the Jews. But they had favor. There, there was a sense of a fragrance about them that said, I'm both curious and I have respect for. We'll see later on that the, um, the leaders who are trying to like squash down this early movement of the way, they're a little afraid because there's so much favor amongst the believers. They're saying like, I, we have to be careful how we go about this lest we get ourselves in trouble. How they lived brought favor from outsiders. What else? What other effects? Seth. New believers. As people shared, new people were added. Did you notice who's doing the adding? What does it say? The Lord. That's strange. Like all these people, they're doing all this stuff. But very specifically, the Lord's adding new believers. The other thing that's interesting is it's not, and people had conversion experiences. They didn't have individual, oh, this individual came to Christ, or 3,000 of them came to Jesus. Or, no, it's, it's God is actually taking someone, and he's, do, he's adding them into something. He's taking someone, and he's adding it into something, into this community. The sense that, and by implication for us, is that we're supposed to be the people who receive the people that God adds by implication making us the kind of people that have very big open arms to receive people in usually all kinds of different seasons of spiritual maturity and and different seasons of even growing moving being curious about Christianity big open arms because God is the one who's who's adding what else one more effect that I have there may be more yes ma'am Yes, indeed. Man, I really can't write. Awe. It's one of the coolest portions of this whole passage. Wonder. There's a sense that in the midst of the practices that are going on with this group of believers, this is the undercurrent. This is like that scent in the air but there is this mighty, beautiful, majestic, powerful, both transcendent of the universe and imminent in his grace. There's this incredible God and there's just this awe of like, we're with him and he is with us and he is now in us. And there is, there is awe, there is, there is wonder. The, actual, the Greek word is phobos, which actually means fear. There's a, there's a sense of reverent delight. I think one of the things that we, um, we can have a hard time with, and we, this goes back even to the, to the prayers of, that as a church, we, as the church in general, we swing kind of from formality to informality. Do you ever feel that? Like, and, you know, 50, 60 years ago, it was like all formality. I mean, it was suits and ties and, you know, maybe not a tie if it's not Easter, but, you know, it's very, everything's very formal. And, 
And now it's like, you know, informality is close to godliness, right? Like, we just want to be authentic and, and real and everything needs to be organic and, um, I mean, even our bread, you know, um, it just, but um, the best things are not necessarily organic. It's actually both, that, that both are needed, both are essential, that, that we must have awe for God, we must have this reverent fear, and yet this fundamental reality that we can approach and come and get near. And, and that's what was so transformative. It's, it's, why, it's why it was such, so revolutionary that Jesus prayed, Father, and that it's what continues on in, in, the, in the epistles, that, that he is a Father, that he is approachable and engageable, and yet he is the God of the universe, the one who is above all things. So these are the, uh, the effects How do you feel? I told you I was going to ask you this question. You read this. This is, a, this is a group of people who are loving one another, who are worshiping together, taking communion. They're, they're do, and they're doing so daily on a regular, consistent basis. They're, they're open to learning. They're sharing themselves and their faith and their stuff. And, and the manifestation of that, like if you're actually in the room, this is what you're seeing. Awe and wonder and, and, and joy. People were coming in like, yeah, I, I came to Christ this weekend. Joe told me about him. We prayed in his living room and welcome. What do you feel? Give me a couple feeling words. Now no hands, huh? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Inadequate. Okay. Gratitude. All right. You know, when you're looking for something and no one's giving it to you, Someone get what? Longing. Well done. I, I primed that one a little earlier, didn't I? Anything else? Huh. Missing out. Um, this is pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, let me just say this. Do you want to go to this church? I mean, I want to go to this church, okay? Like, I want this to be happening all the time. I, I, I long for, for the manifestation of this to be so, so normal that, that when someone comes to faith, that when someone talks about the magnitude of God's work in them, that we're like, oh, you too. And, and I love this church, and, and God has done and continues to do mighty and significant work in you, and some of you, like, the hard way, and you're letting them, and it's beautiful, and, and it brings, for those of us who get to hear or get front row seats, it brings great joy. It really does. We get to celebrate, and hopefully we're going to get to tell some of those stories more faithfully. But as I said, there's a longing here. There's a longing to be a, to be a part of a community of people who are this in to the things of God. I mean, I want to be this in to the things of God at all times. Like, and, and there, as I said, there's a gap. And I know you're in church, you're not allowed to say this, but did anybody feel a little skepticism? Not cynicism, cynicism we all know is bad. Skepticism, a little bit of like, 
yeah, but like, come on. They didn't live in the suburbs, you know? Like, it was all new to them. It was kind of like honeymoon period. And like, they just experienced the spirit for the first time. They, they were still getting used to him. You know, he quiets down after a bit. Anyone? So what do we do? What do we do with that? What do we do with that gap? What do we do with that gap when, when it's, it's real? One of the things that, that struck me as I was trying to figure out what, why is this ideal so not how it is in the American church, so how it not is in some of my own life? And uh, a couple things struck me, and, and this may be true of you, they may, they may, they may not be, but um, particularly as it relates to community, right? There's this, there's this, there's this utopian picture of what community could be like. And I think because we were, we were like, we were built for a relationship. We were, we were made to connect, to belong, to be seen, to be known, to be loved. We're made for that. Like that Trinitarian image on us, like we're made for it. And so the gap between what is and it's, it's painful. It's hard. Like community disappoints, right? I mean, it, People don't come through. People, people disappoint. But some of the things that, that struck me as, as, the, as some of the gap has been, um, one was, as, was compartmentalization. I feel like as, as a community and as a culture, um, like somewhere along the line, we've got a place where we, uh, we have like our, our Christian life and like our church life. And then there's like, like our life life over here. And so... One of the things that's so fascinating to me, and especially as you read through Acts, there's this, there's an integration of life. That, that work life and family life and, and play life and, and community life and like, that, that, they were, that they were all interwoven, they were interconnected. There was a, there's an embeddedness of all of it, an integration of all of life. And therefore, it was messy. And I, I think we're allergic to messy. I, we, I think we were told that there's a way in which you can make your life work to where it's not messy anymore. And we're all just trying to make that happen. And it's not working. We have to release that illusion of control. The gospel antidote is an, is an, is an integrated life. And therefore, I would ask you, to what degree are you living an integrated life? Like if I talk to your coworkers, would you sound to me through them the way you would sound to me here or to the people in your community group, your neighbors? Are you living, in, is there an integrated life? Do your kids tell the same story about you as you tell about yourself? The other thing is, is, is privacy, and I, can't, I don't have a ton of time to go into this, but just the, the idea that my faith is personal, like it's a solo sport. Uh, all this is tied into probably the big umbrella of individualism, right? Like, it's up to you. Like, you make your way. You make it happen. You decide. You determine. Uh, you create kind of a, a structured understanding of how your faith should manifest itself in community and in relationship. And so, but we're private. We keep our struggles kind of like on the DL, on a need-to-know basis. And one of the things that's fascinating about this early church is that like they're all up in each other's grill. Like they're just, they're living on top of each other. They're together every single day. You know what happens when you're together with someone every single day? Yeah, the veneer comes off. You ever been on a mission trip? 
with teenage girls, <laughs> the veneer comes off, you know? I mean, it's, it, but right, just give it enough time, enough pressure, and, and reality shows up. My, my question would be like, who will know, who would know if, if, if your son got brought home by the cops after drinking and driving? Who, who would know? Because if you're not your neighbor, or if I wasn't awake when the lights were flashing, like, I just don't know. What does, it, what does it mean and what does it look like to not live in privacy, but to choose to out ourselves? Because, because we're not living on top of each other. We're actually are having to choose to live in community, and it is hard. And so there's a, there's a premise, there's a principle, there's an antidote, and that is I must choose to out myself. I must choose to come and display and, and declare that like, yeah, here's the broken places, here's the stuff that's really not going well, and, and to choose to remove the privacy that feels like not only a right, but a must, and it just doesn't fit in Christ's church. It's not how it works. It's not how community grows. Uh, the most significant one for me is 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 this last one. It's scarcity. Um, I, nothing thwarts this kind of community life in the church than a sense that there's not enough to go around. I think because so many of us have a have this significant pull from every direction, so many opportunities, so many distractions. Um, someone I was talking to was talking about that that, that busyness has become a virtue, right? When did that become a virtue? But, but I, I'm really busy, and so I'm, of course, means incredibly important. And, and therefore, also, please don't ask anything of me. <laughs> do you know, this is, this is fascinating. You all do this to me. When you're going to talk to me about something, or you're like, hey, listen, I'd love to talk about something like, and I know you're real busy every time. <laughs> like if I had a nickel. I mean, every time. And, and I think the premise is, and like, I'm busy, but I'm not any busier than anybody else. The sense that, I mean, if you're really honest with yourself and you start talking about things like daily one another and daily in worship, and like, are you guys feeling the like, oh yeah, hey, oh, <laughs> that was so nice for them, you know, over there. Like, don't be putting that stuff on me. Like, I barely got enough time for it, right? I mean, do you feel it? I mean, if I said, like, thus says the Lord, you know, thou shalt get together every single day from now on if you're going to be a part of this church, like, nobody's here next week. <laughs> they never had to be told to be together, which is fascinating to me. There's no sense of, like, and the commandment is thou shalt be together. I feel like, you know, in our world, like, I have to be like, hey, by the way, community, like, it's how the church is designed to work. It's how God has designed you to, to operate and to, and to be in someone's life and have people be in your life and them sharpening you and you sharpening. Like, it's, it's actually kind of a command and it's your duty. All right? So, like, let's do it. All right? Everybody do it? All right, good. And by the way, you know, we got like 65% of people in community groups. So, self-high five. Like, clearly we're doing well. Y'all are doing good. Let's just put this aside. And it's like, I don't know, but something about this passage pushes against that. It, it pushes into a... To what degree am I operating out of the, like, I still need to take care of me. 
And this is why this is very, this is very particular for me because I, I really struggle with a sense of scarcity. And, and, I, and I hear it in, in some of you guys too of, of like, oh yeah, but hold on. Is, is something going to be asked of me that I, I don't know that I want to say yes to? And, and so I just, I've got to always hold just a little bit back for me. Anyone? Like, because, because everything, everything and everyone and every, every context. And, and so I, I need, I need some, some rest time. So watching a, a, like a rerun of Survivor, like that's going to give me real rest. So I just need, no, I can't come to that meeting, you know? Like, and of course, it doesn't do it, right? It doesn't offer the rest that I'm longing for. It doesn't actually provide any of this. And yet, I don't know about you, but I seem to go back to some of that the same wells over and over, longing for the rest, longing for the joy, and it's just not there. And I just wonder, I'm not making any bad declarations here, I'm just wondering... Is there another way? Are there other ways? Are there steps that we could be taking to be moving more towards what this looks like, especially in how, how we operate with the gifts and the talents and the things that we have to give to one another? One of the things that Becky and I were talking about the other day was we never regret, I mean, I think this is true, we never regret having chosen to indispose ourselves in a context we were not planning on. Like if someone invites us over last minute and it's like, we could just sit home and watch TV. That will be nice because that's some some me time, you know? Or we could go over there and we'll probably have to have conversations, probably have conversations about God. (laughs) It has never been a time where we have gone and chosen to be or chosen to go and like visit someone or whatever and that it has not been like, this was so much better. This actually gave life. It, it provided something. And I, I just wonder if some of the ways in which we're supposed to look different than the rest of our culture and community is, what's the fact that we're, we're giving ourselves, we're, we're putting ourselves out there. We're not, we're not drinking from the empty cistern of, of entertainment and some of the things that just, they don't work. Like, they don't work. They're not even real rest. I go for a walk, you know, right? I mean, they're just like, they're not real. They're not. The antidote to scarcity, the gospel antidote is open hands, listening, asking God, what, God, what do you, what do you have for me to step into, to participate in? To, how, do I, how do you want me to, to, to practice loving my community, being a part of their lives? Like I love um, Shanna, who's playing, she's over here, but she's playing, um, uh, keys this morning. She, she's moving in a couple weeks, right? Last minute, excited. She put it on the city, which is vulnerable, right? What if no one comes, right? Like you, you might be there with your boxes going like, no one loves me. Um, but I saw that and you know, like I'm important, busy. So I, clearly this is for y'all to do, right? <laughs> well, we have an agreement, don't we? Isn't this something we all understand? Um, but it was funny because as I was, as I read that, it was a couple days ago, or yeah, a couple days ago, I guess, or yesterday. I thought, God, do you, do you want me to go help Shanna? And I don't know the answer to, but just so you don't sound me in, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just telling you where I really am, all right? Like, but God, like, do you, do you, want, me, do you want me to go and, 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 and help and be a part of that? <laughs> and I haven't heard at all. <laughs> Still. <laughs> and that's, I know it's a silly example, right? But like, I think it's, it's like when we talked about, about life on mission, because like, it affects all things, is am I, 
Am I listening to God and am I following his lead? Is my ear to the ground to what he would have me be a part of in this kind of community so that we start looking and feeling and smelling different than we do already? More, more of this kind of stuff just kind of happening and it becomes normative and, and the expectation of one another is like, hey, we're just becoming more like Jesus. This is what we're doing. This is how it is here. And isn't it awesome? And awe and wonder and joy. Cool. Last point. This is going to have to be super fast. I took wherever on this. Sorry. Um, let me just say this. Here's a key, key thing I want you to, to pull, pull together, pull in. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to these things. And devoted has a sense of, I mean, the actual word means to like, I mean, where's the actual word? It's to continue an intense effort, okay? So it's like all in, pushing forward. But there's also another sense of it that in, throughout the scriptures where to devote is, is to give away. Like that are devoted to destruction or that there's a, there's a sense of giving yourself away. Actually, I think one translation says that they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. There's literally kind of like, all right. I'm devoting myself to it. And this is what I, this is your, this is maybe the key learning moment for the moment before the morning. These are means of grace, right? These are practices that bear fruit in grace. So these means of grace are designed to produce the effects of grace. By the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? The means of grace are designed to produce the effects of grace. By the power of the Holy Spirit and oftentimes over time. And the effects of grace are designed to empower and invigorate the means of grace. As we choose to practice here, as we devote ourselves, if we give ourselves to the practices God, by his grace and in his means, brings the effects of grace on us. And as the effects of grace manifest themselves on us and in us, they generate passion and zeal for more of the practices. Do you see how it works? Now, there are times, there are times where God brings this outside of this. It is true. There are testimonies, no doubt about it. But that is not the normal means. That is not the, that's not the ordinary means. And so what I would invite us into is, especially, good grief, especially as we head into a season of Lent, where we're going to be given an opportunity to go like, what am I devoted to? That's not devoting myself to the Lord and to his people. Like, what, what am I devoting, devoted my life to? What am I giving myself to? And, and what awesome thing about Lent is that it's an opportunity to go like, well, I'm devoting myself here, and it's good, but it's not ultimate. And so what does it look like for me to fast from that, to remove some of that, to, and to see what God wants to do and say, because he has more. He has more to offer. So the means of grace are designed to produce the effect of grace, and the effects of grace are designed to build and motivate and invigorate the means of grace. And so my invitation to you as the body of Christ, as those who have been called to live on these practices over and over and consistently is let us devote ourselves 
to these practices. And let us, because we have no control over these things happening, let us beg and plead God for these. Not like, God, if you give me some awe, I'll give you a little worship. You know, two out of four Sundays. I mean, that's not crazy. No, no, it's, it's Lord, I, I want to see you. And, th- and this is, I got to go to the table. The only way this is going to work, the only way this is ever going to manifest itself in you, the only way you're going to, is if not you see yourself as a devoted person, but that you see that the one who has actually devoted himself to you already. It's the only hope. Like you have to see him having already chosen to give himself for you, give himself away for you. Having, having moved forward, having, having chosen you. Being the one who left all the praise and glory of heaven so that you and I could actually praise him in reality. Who is, who sanctified himself so that we would be sanctified in the truth. Who set himself apart. Who who literally divested himself of all the glories and the possessions of heaven so that he could be sold to death so that we could be purchased. You see? It's the only way. It's the only, it's your only hope. Which is why we come to the breaking of the bread. We must. We must come at the end of this time to the breaking of the bread and say, God, by your grace and mercy, which you've already accomplished in us, now will you infuse the practices we submit ourselves unto and would you give us the joy of these effects? Because that's who we want to be and that's who we want to proclaim and declare, not only to the world, but to one another. So let us praise God together. It's what we're going to do when we worship here. We praise God together that that he has accomplished this for you. So let's pray. Father. Ah, Father. There is a day where we won't have to talk about community and about knowing you and and seeking you and, and about scarcity. That day is coming. There'll be no more striving and so what we long for, Father, is we want to we we grow into that now to the best of our abilities. Partially, we know, but we want to become reflections, little congregations, little mini kingdom expressions, little, little snapshots of heaven. And uh, we want to do it together because it's what you've given us. You've given us each other that we may point each other to you. And so, Lord, I pray even as we take these elements that, that they would point our hearts towards you, that we would, we would see you, that we would... We would delight in you, that we'd like see you as you are and that it would fill our hearts with praise. So fill our hearts with praise, Father. Give us awe, wonder. Give us the gift of people coming to know you and coming into our midst and us, us receiving them as you have received us. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Christ. You are the best thing. Pray all this by your power and for your glory, O God. In Christ's name, amen. If you belong to Jesus, man, this is your meal. You get to experience that grace. So if you belong to Christ, come forward. If you don't belong to Jesus, like that's the, this is the kind of community that God makes with his people. And so turn, invite him to be your Lord and Savior and come. Take this meal with us. The breaking of the bread, it's the best. It really is the best. Come forward.